So Stephanie Grayson is a corporate communications expert and social media maven with many years of experience providing training and coaching to both individuals and groups. She helps business folks communicate in an effective and compelling way, both online and offline, whether it's a CEO giving a keynote address or an entrepreneur tweeting on Twitter. Stephanie has been quoted in the Wall Street Journal on National Public Radio and MediaBistro.com. You can follow her on Twitter at twitter.com slash critiques for geeks. That's critiques number four geeks. So hi Stephanie. Good evening. Good evening. And I actually did not get to introduce myself because I've been trying to deal with this, uh, the technical difficulties tonight on Blog Talk Radio. But I am Andrew Poritz, uh, and you can find me at myfuturecoach.com and on Twitter at Coach Andrew. So, Stephanie, this has been an interesting uh, start because uh, one of the things we're gonna, you and I are going to talk about are uh, communications. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ironic. Ironical. <laughs> so uh, you 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 have a very interesting uh, career uh, in the uh, in the corporate uh, communications world, and now you are uh, something of a, a Twitter maven, and. Uh, you are certainly an expert around uh, the communications etiquette. What could you tell me about that? Well, you know, with all of the changes that have come about because of the technology, there really are a lot of very interesting etiquette um, issues that have been coming up recently, really that we haven't seen before. Uh, as a lot of our corporate communications are shifting towards a more written medium. Okay, tell me more. Well, just for example, if you think of some of the communications that years ago you might have had perhaps over the telephone or in person, not all of them, but, but a good deal of them have shifted more towards a written medium. So we're talking about things like email, like, you know, more recently, like things like tweets on Twitter or Facebook status updates or, you know, any of those types of communications like text messages. Whereas, let's say, years ago, you might have left someone a brief phone message about something. These days, you're more likely to, to text it in. I mean, unless it's something very sensitive. And that's where the etiquette decisions come up. <laughs> okay, so give me an example of some of the kind of etiquette decisions that, that you might need to deal with. Sure. Well, this is an example. Um, you know, kind of, uh, you have to consider the old golden rule about do unto others as they would have done to you. I hope I, I didn't um, butcher that expression too badly, but something <laughs> along those lines. Um, and uh, think about when you have news that's perhaps you know, not the mundane, something a little more sensitive, a little more difficult, kind of think to yourself, how would I like to receive that information? Would I want to know that someone on my team is being fired would I want to know that information by receiving a text message about it? Would I want to know that information by receiving an email about it? Or is that something that calls more for a phone call or even, you know, best practices, an in-person, face-to-face meeting and discussion? I think if you follow that rule, it would be hard to get in trouble. But, of course, what's comfortable for one person who perhaps is more casual could be different for another person who's more formal. 
you, you notice how that we're we're sort of coming around full circle from how things were a uh, hundred years ago in some respects. Absolutely. You know, I think of Andrew. I think of some of the the old films. You know, where the characters, uh, you know, wrote notes to one another and. I mean, the really older films uh, maybe even put a little wax seal on the back. Uh, or, you know, I think about old westerns where there were, you know, telegrams. And uh, really, it's interesting. Writing is back, and it's back in a big way. Um, and I think what people are finding, surprisingly, is that just because you may be a natural communicator when it comes to in-person communication or verbal communication, when you're dealing with writing, a lot of the things that we get from verbal and in-person communication are stripped away. You know, what's funny is the, the the letters of old from the Victorian times. There were so so many long letters. You know, my favorite president of all time is uh, President uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned about him is he he was uh, not only did he read probably more books in a year than most people read in their entire life. He wrote hundreds of letters, uh, con- I mean, constant bra- barrage of letters to so many people, and in Frank- and actually in multiple languages. He wasn't just writing them in English. He wrote in French, and he, he was a, a, quite a, a prolific writer. He was also a writer of books and articles. And uh, that was without the benefit of having uh, a typewriter, even, or a uh, uh, Certainly, certainly, email or a computer, just just by hand. Right, kind of makes the rest of us feel a bit like underachievers. <laughs> well, if, 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 the more you read about Theodore Roosevelt, the more you will feel like an underachiever. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'll now have here to have we you are. Recommend some books for me. Pardon me. I'll have to have you recommend some some reading material for me on Roosevelt. Oh, absolutely! I, I love the uh, the rise of Theodore Roosevelt. That's certainly one of the best books about him. And here we are, uh, we have distilled uh, some of the uh, things we might have, we might have wrote in, in a long letter, we might have wrote in a telegram, and now we're, we're looking to do that in 140 characters. Right. So on, on Twitter, it would be 140 characters. For a text message, as someone pointed out to me recently, would be something like 160 uh, characters. Uh, and, of course, if you'd like to be retweeted on Twitter, let's uh, say that for practical purposes, uh, to leave room for that and perhaps to acknowledge someone's Twitter name, you'd be speaking more about, you know, more towards 120 characters. And, of course, that includes punctuation, spaces, things like that. So we're now in a, in a place where we're really uh, seeing how how precise and um What's the word I'm looking for? We're really cutting out all of the, all of the uh, fat, in well, order it, to get it, something across. It's very, it's very condensed. It's very. That's the uh, word. Com- I couldn't think com- of it. Condensed or or compressed, if you like. Um, and the interesting thing, the challenge here, is to try to retain the content and the flavor. You know, I mean, I that's really a good word for it, flavor the flavor of the conversation so that the personality still comes through and still keep it to the, you know, that very small amount of characters. It's definitely challenging and it's something that we're all dealing with today. And I think that's one of the reasons also that you've seen, um, you know, use of the emoticons. Now, some people call them smiley faces, but of course 
There are many more emoticons than just uh, smiley faces. We have the winky face and we have a surprise face and other types of faces, but I think there's a reason because there's only so much that you can express in a limited amount of characters. And because the writing is, you know, devoid of the kind of tone that we're used to uh, hearing when we hear, you know, the auditory part of a, of a communication, uh, there's been a need to kind of try to add, to reinsert that, you know, to reinsert that back into the message. And a smiley face only takes up uh, two characters. <laughs> Mine are three. Oh, do you put a nose in yours? I put a nose in mine. I'm, I'm an old uh, nose man. I see. Okay, so my smiley face is noseless, but maybe I need to reconsider that. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's I guess it's a point of view, but certainly when, we, when, you, when we're so many limited in characters, I may need to take a cue from you and remove the nose from my emoticons. <laughs> yes, these are deep things to consider. Very deep. You know, what's your favorite emoticon? Do you have any really... One of the more obscure I happen ones. To like, I happen to like the wink uh, because the wink with the smile um, is allows you some leeway um, when you're texting or sending a Twitter message. Uh, you kind of it's sort of a, a knowing a knowing glance and and kind of like um, you're you're sharing your your it could be sarcasm it could be cynicism it could be you're sharing that kind of extra edginess with. Uh, the audience, whether it be a one-to-one audience for a text message or if you're tweeting, you know, to all of your Twitter followers. So it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're all in on the, on the joke. Yeah, I, I know some of, the, uh, some of the obscure ones. I've been actually, believe it or not, I've been online now since 1991. I don't mean continuously. I've actually gotten up from my chair. But, I mean, I have been online in the world of online communication since 1991, back in the day with CompuServe. And that's before the World Wide Web and before Windows even, and uh, so things were a little. This is the part where you say that you invented the internet, is it? Well, well, I could tell you about that actually if you really want to hear about it. (laughs) I actually have a story about that, but which I'll get back to, just because you asked about it. But some of the goofier (laughs) emoticons that I I remember, there's there's one you can make a Lincoln emoticon with a little stovepipe hat. Oh yeah. And my favorite is probably uh, if you take a the letter uh, uh, take an O, and yeah. uh, and then a uh, and then do a smiley face. You get a an, uh, you get a uh, an angel, not an angel. Yeah, halo. You're like a oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. so like like R and I a little angel. You could you can follow something right. uh, risque with that. Starting starting to see the possibilities of how that might be used. And then there's a Bart Simpson emoticon. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. Oh, or a cup of coffee. What's that? A a cup of coffee. Yeah, the cup of coffee. A cup of steaming coffee, which is, uh, if I recall, it's a a bracket, uh, an underscore, a bracket, and a a little uh, um, tilde, I think it is, or something like that. Yeah, it looks like a little steamy cup of coffee. See, this is a the these programs are, are two way learning happens. Unbelievable, unbelievable, and yet true. So, would you like to hear how I invented the internet? True story. I would, I would love to. Hear this is internet. a true. This is a true story, and, and it's never before been told uh, in, in this in this medium. But back when I was in the sixth grade, I was yeah. in a class uh, in uh, in Bayside with my teacher, uh, Miss Nuger, was her name. 
and she had each of us write, uh, you know, the one of those. Oh, she it was a very interesting essay. She wanted us to make up an invention and then write about it. It was an English um, okay. lesson, actually. So we could make up anything we want, be as, as silly as we wanted, or it didn't have to actually be possible, but just pretend that it did and write about it. And so I wrote about uh, this television screen that swiveled out from under the toilet seat. And when you could, when you would swivel it out, and you could press a button, and the contents of any newspaper you wanted would be instantly transmitted to it. Now this was in 1967. Wow. wow. And kind of like you took a peek into the future. I took a peek into the future, but my my teacher took one look at this, and and she called my mother very very concerned. <laughs> and uh, she wanted to know. She said she thought I had an obsession with the bathroom. Interesting. Not realizing, of course, that for men that's called the library. I say. So that's a lot. To get straighten that out. So yes, I actually did invent the, uh, the the uh, the internet, and then uh, then she. Well, uh, I she, have to say, I I didn't expect um, the, the powder room to enter the conversation. I I it took a different direction than I thought it would go. But you know, one of the interesting things that that you can get from that is. A lot of the great communication ideas, and I'll just say even even scientific inventions and discoveries, you know, a lot of times we see the wisdom and application of them far after the, you know, you know, at the beginning you find out that they were laughed at or or you know met met with a lot of uh, challenge and skepticism, and uh, you know, it ends up that um, they kind of have the last laugh. So um, I think you and your uh, touch screen. Uh, idea where the news is on a screen. I mean, clearly, I think if you called up your sixth, I think you said a sixth grade teacher, I think you would um, have the last laugh there because, in fact, we're, we're seeing these days that people are getting their news increasingly online. Uh, we're hearing every day, unfortunately, um, that our friends in journalism circles and, and um, TV news circles are um, you know, in a position where they're either losing their jobs or frightened for their jobs, and we're seeing shifts that really we, we haven't seen before, with major cuts and you know with, with print uh, in terms of newspapers, magazines, and we're seeing um, you know a shift in also how uh, network TV is going in terms of their you know where they're putting their energies, and even if you turn on let's say CNN, they're always saying check us. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Send in your questions. You know, check out our blog. So even the, you know, the on-air mediums right now that have to do with TV, they are all hooking into the social media. And I think, you know, just to your point, if you had brought this idea up a few a few years, you know, before people were ready to hear about it, people would have laughed. And in fact, a lot of people did laugh at first when Twitter was introduced. They said it was just for people to tweet about what they were doing. Uh, for example, I'm brushing my teeth now. I'm walking my dog now. I'm eating cereal now. And clearly, we've come to a place where Twitter and other types of social media are being used in a far more meaningful way than just giving mundane updates about what you happen to be physically doing. And, and there are a lot of people who still don't really get it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I don't have a statistic in front of me, but uh, one of the things that you hear a lot, I, I happen to attend a lot of um, social media, you know, roundtables, conferences, things like that. 
Uh, and I was at um, a conference recently that largely had to do with Twitter, and something that was kind of buzzing around the room was just that a very um, a large number of the tweets that are produced are produced by a relatively small small percentage of people who are on Twitter. In other words, that a lot of the people who are on Twitter who are producing a high volume, very active, um, it's not kind of um, uh, equally distributed. You have, a, you have some people who are very active producing a lot of content. This making me think of that 80-20 rule, which uh, I forgot what the name of that theorem is. 80 percent of all effort is produced by 20 percent of the people. I think I think it's it's something along those lines. And again, I wish I had the statistic in front of me, and probably it's changed five times since last week. Uh, but um, and and the statistics they are clearly changing. One of the the interesting things also, Andrew, is that you know originally um, you know every social media um, tool, if you want to call it, if you want to call them tools or uh, if you want to just call them social media, um, has sort of a different flavor. So we all know that, for example, when you think of LinkedIn, Andrew, what do you think about? I think of uh, business connections. Exactly, exactly. And would it be someplace that you'd go all the time to check updates? I actually almost never go there for – in fact, I've never gone there for, for an update. I've seen them. But right. I, yeah. I will go there because I have a request to add somebody or – I think that's probably part of the wisdom behind why LinkedIn and Twitter very recently decided to kind of sync up so that you're able to, if you, if you want to, enable your Twitter updates, um, you know, your tweets uh, to link up with your LinkedIn account. I think LinkedIn and Twitter both saw kind of the wisdom in doing that. And then, you know, Facebook has another flavor. A lot of people tell me that uh, the kind of uh, communication they're having on Facebook is with people that they're usually familiar with, either um, currently or people from their past who they've reconnected with. And then on Twitter, I, I hear from people often that they've made new connections of people even around the world where they never would have had occasion to meet them. And in fact, sometimes they meet them by design after they have corresponded many times on Twitter. So you have kind of you know, very different flavors of things going on with social media. And um, again, you know, back to the 80-20 or whatever you want to call it, there are people who are very active on Facebook or who are uh, even active on LinkedIn, sending poll questions or, or other things for people to respond to or making new connections. You have people very active on Twitter. It really depends. I mean, the, the big challenge here is, again, in terms of corporate communications, is time management <laughs> because you know, you, you have clients or you have, uh, you know, tasks to do at work. And all of these things, you know, they're free, right? Sure. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. But the investment is the time. And that is the challenge. You know, I, I, I actually am I, – I have connected with people on, via Twitter who are in other countries. So I can definitely speak to that. I have some people who are now in my life who – have found me through mm-hmm. through Twitter, and I've, we've had a couple of connections, and that's led to, and, and it usually goes from there to somewhere else, like Facebook, and I'm I'm Mr. Facebook. I don't know if you know that. I am actually I Mr. Facebook. Yeah. No, I'm not really Mr. A- Facebook, a- but a- I, I'm a, a big user. 
Yes, no, I, I know what you mean. I have, uh, and, and you know, it's exactly true, the kinds of people. I, I have a lot of people who have connected to me on Facebook that I don't know, but the majority of people are people who have been in my life. I, now, I, I like to say I now have more high school friends than I ever had in high school, thanks to Facebook. <laughs> I think a lot of people have a similar experience that way. Well, I'm actually hoping to get invited into a, into a clique. That's one of my goals. Really? Yeah, so I can, you know, a lunchroom clique would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Sort of some unfulfilled things, I think. I think that's something for a different show. That could be a whole other show, yeah. <laughs> but And, you know, have you ever used uh, something called ping.fm? I have not. Are you familiar with it? Tell me. It's a it's a little service. It's a free service that lets you do one update to uh, like twenty different services, including including uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, blogs, all all at the same time. Well, now I know why I ha- why I haven't utilized it, and and you know I could speak for a long time on this issue, but as someone in corporate communications, I'm very sensitive to the fact uh, that. I believe you should always be considering the message you're sending out um, with regard to the audience it's going to. And at least in in my corporate communications world and the kind of business and and work that I do and the clients I have, I have a very – I do not have a consistent audience uh, across the board on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So, for example, my LinkedIn tends to run, as you said, more, you know, strictly business-oriented. Uh, my Facebook, I'm a little bit more casual on Facebook uh, because I feel uh, I have the freedom to be a little more casual on Facebook. Now, that does not mean that I'm posting inappropriate pictures, not that casual, uh, but I am a little more um, casual in my tone and maybe a joke that I would make. Um, and on Twitter, uh, I tend to, because I, I I'm not always familiar personally with everyone. I mean, I think it, I think as of tonight, I have something like, uh, before I logged on, I think I, I took a peek. I might have something like 852 followers. Now, I'm not, I have not met in person all 852 of my followers, um, but what we share is kind of a similar, let's say, similar interest or similar um, interest in terms of content or news or. Uh, certain topics in terms of of business or in terms of communications. So I would not wish to link up um, on a service where I send the same thing to all of my social networks because I think for me that would kind of be like the George Costanza worlds colliding kind of thing. (laughs) Worlds collide, Jerry. (laughs) Yes, worlds colliding. So um, I, I like to know that when I'm tweeting, it goes to my Twitter audience. I like to know when I'm doing a Facebook status update that it's going to my Facebook audience. Uh, and I like to know when I do something on LinkedIn that that's where it's going. Um, there are times, however, just manually, that I do um, tweet something where I want to use it as a Facebook status or a link as well. And I'll just go ahead and do that manually. Sometimes I even cut and paste my tweet and just um, – you know, modify it very slightly for, for Facebook. So I, I, sometimes I do post the same thing, but I would want uh, a little more control over that in terms of that I don't confuse my audience. Interesting. I, I have my Twitter and my Facebook connected so that if I tweet something, it goes on my Facebook, but not the other way around. Okay. I so would is not there, want have that. You ever had, 
<laughs> have you ever had an, uh, any occasion where someone expressed confusion or that they felt a little bit left out of the conversation? No, but I have a, I've had a couple of times where I thought to myself that I actually don't want that on Facebook, and I've run over there and then deleted it. Mm-hmm. But very rarely has that happened. Right. So I guess it really depends on, you know, for each individual person, and especially if you're a person who, where your your you know your persona is largely associated with your brand. So for example, uh, people know me as Stephanie Grayson, corporate communications. You know, that's something that's very very tied together. Um, I don't uh, work for a big company, like a big branded company. My name is very closely associated with what I do and what kind of work that I do. Um, I, I think that's a consideration when people are deciding, should I sync, you know, my, my, you know, communications in terms of, you know, business applications? Is my audience very similar on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter? Then the answer might be yes, go ahead and sync. But if you have different audiences, I mean, that's, that's really the thing people need to consider, whether corporate communications are online or offline, you must always consider your audience. You would, just as you wouldn't tell the same joke to a group of friends you've known since high school, uh, you know, to, let's say, a group of, of let's say, clergy at a convention, um, it, you really need to make decisions based on what's appropriate in terms of your audience. That's if, if there's only one thing that people remember from our, our radio chat tonight, I hope they take away, always consider where your message is going. Okay, that's, that's one to write down. <laughs> always consider where your message is going. That's great. See there, I just learned something. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's my favorite part of doing the show. Well, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons that... Um, you know, your show is so helpful to, to so many people is that uh, you you do pick a variety of people to interview, and I always find that I learn something as well. Well, good. Just for that, there's going to be a little something extra in your envelope, Stephanie. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> An extra tweet. Extra tweet. Extra tweet in envelope. Yes. So uh, one of the things, I, since you're you're pretty up on this, one one of the things I've noticed for me as somebody who uses Twitter, and I have I have a lot of followers, but I have a lot of what I would call junk followers. Have you have you encountered this? I actually am pretty vigilant about uh, going in periodically and purging um, what I I would call I guess spam type followers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of some of uh, whose, whose uh, Twitter names I will not repeat on air uh, during your show. Um, <laughs> I have received, um, for example, uh, you know, it's, it's a combination really of, I would say, how should I put this, adult-type material mm-hmm. and um, people who want to sell me, uh, spammers who want to sell me uh, get-rich-quick schemes. Yes. I would say those are the two types of spam followers that people really need to watch out for. And there are certain ways also that you can quickly um, determine if there's a real obvious spammer. So if you see someone who doesn't have that many tweets to their credit, um, and uh, also if the picture is very um, provocative, let's say, um, you you really want to check and see who's following you. 
And if it becomes an issue, of course, people should know that you are able to block. And, and you're able to block not only on Twitter, you're able to block on Facebook as well. If sure. someone um, is being inappropriate. Um, the other thing, though, is, you know, sometimes, you know, back to the communication etiquette issue. Let's say you're doing a lot of corporate communications, uh, let's say on Facebook, and someone is writing inappropriate status updates and you don't care for your Facebook friends to be able to view this this uh, person, perhaps mm-hmm. an inappropriate colleague, uh, writing those status updates. There are ways that you can hide that if you scroll your mouse down uh, kind of on the, the right margin. You're able to hide updates selectively from people who may be inappropriate without offending them because they, they would not know that you have done that. Now, if, it, if that's not enough, again, you can go ahead and block them. But at that point, they I believe, if, if the settings are the same as they were recently, that at that point, they would know. <laughs> You're talking about Facebook, right? Yes. Yeah, and actually, and, and you can really control all kinds of things. Like on Facebook, you can control if somebody even has the right to to uh, paste on your wall, for example. Exactly. Because, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, whether it's right or wrong, people do make judgments not only on the messages you send, but on the messages, you know, of the company that you keep. So that's something that's also very interesting. And, again, that's more of an issue on Facebook than on Twitter, you know, where people are saying, hmm, he's friends with this person. This person is writing this. I wonder if this person, if that, you know, reflects upon that person. And, again, rightly or wrongly, people sometimes do make these decisions. And, again, that's less of an issue uh, on Twitter um, and probably less of an issue on LinkedIn where the vibe is more business-oriented. Yeah, for a while, um, LinkedIn was going. It seemed like it was going in in a in a different direction as far as it's you know it's getting really big and popular. And now it's 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 sort of like the difference between BlackBerry and and uh, iPhone almost. You know, BlackBerry. You think about the corporate people with their Blackberries, and versus the people who are uh, having a, a little bit more of a fun time. Which is not well, to say that know, there are, are no fun BlackBerry people, but you know, I think you know what I mean. Yes. Well, again, everything ends mm-hmm. up having a flavor or a kind of, I'll even just go ahead and say a vibe to it. You know, so if we go ahead and say that LinkedIn has a businessy vibe, I mean, I don't think that's anything that LinkedIn doesn't know about already. I don't think LinkedIn um, uh, people who are at LinkedIn would be shocked to hear that that, you know, some of the words most associated with LinkedIn are things like business and, you know, um, business networking and resume and, uh, you know, job search and things like that. Um, and I don't think people at Facebook and Twitter would be surprised to hear the terms that are being associated with their services as well. Um, someone um, said to me recently, and I really wish I could remember who said it, but um, there were actually a group of people talking, and they said something like that, um, you know, Twitter is almost like, a big cocktail party, and there's people there that uh, you, some some maybe that you know, but a lot of people that maybe you don't know. Uh, whereas Facebook is kind of like um, going out with uh, all your colleagues that you know well from the office, or all the old, you know a whole bunch of your old good friends. So again, there's also you know the question of being you know going more narrow or going in in a more broad direction. And, um, you know, again, also with Twitter, uh, there are instances even just 
corporate communication etiquette-wise, where even given all of the broad capability of Twitter, you're still going to want to, to do a direct message, which for people who aren't familiar with Twitter is very similar to sending an email, where only the recipient, the one recipient you choose, will receive that message. It's for when you don't want your tweet read by everyone. Yeah, that's and that's uh, that can be quite uh, that limited because it's that you actually have to be uh, sub somebody has to be subscribed to you. You you have to how's that go? Well, they have, have to be to subscribed to you. You have to have reciprocated. So right. uh, if I if I'm following you but you're not following me, um, you know that functionality at least it ha how it was set up. Uh, you know, again these things change all the time. They come up with new things and new settings. But the last time I checked. Um, if one is following the other, but the other hasn't reciprocated, the direct message capability is not enabled. So it would have to be that I follow you and you follow me, and then we are able to direct message each other, which is, that, again, uh, similar uh, to an email. I, I, I'm not sure if that's correct, because there is somebody who is actually fairly well-known uh, who uh, he does not follow me, but I follow him, mm -hmm. and at one time I put out a, uh, an at message to him, Right. And he responded with a direct message. Really? And I and I well, tried to direct message him back, and I could not. Hmm. So it worked from interesting. I well, think you that know, it. Again, you know, one of one of the things, you know, I I have to say because uh, I I always like to admit my my areas of strength and also my areas of need is that I am definitely not a tech. Um, uh, an IT expert or a tech expert. So if there's some way to make that happen, <laughs> some magical way to make that happen, I have not discovered it, but perhaps that person knows something, um, you know, in terms of uh, tech know-how about how to enable a direct message if, if the other person hasn't reciprocated. I haven't had that experience. Hmm. Well, I think we're going to have to do a little experimentation. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I am, uh, you know, I have a, I have a background as a uh, professional uh, computer geek. I don't know if you know that. No. My in my in my past life, so I I'm pretty technical. Okay. I'm probably more technical than than uh, what? Now I can't think of the other side of that. So you have more of the uh, the flair of the communication skills in this area, perhaps. Yes, and and sometimes you know when I when I talk about uh, corporate communications having gone online and again towards a more written modality between you know everything from I mean you know we haven't even really touched on too much about emails and text messages which which are you know were you know obviously preceded um, social networking but also in a sense facilitated it as well because we're so comfortable we got so comfortable emailing because we got so comfortable texting this is kind of a very nice, smooth transition. You know, if we're all used to texting, it's not such a far jump to, to go to a tweet or to go to a Facebook status update or to, you know, do things online, just in general, just even being online. So it's kind of, it's, it's sort of um, uh, paved the way, I suppose, if you want to think hmm. about it that way. Um, but, you know, as the technology changes, there's definitely some benefit to being, you know, more, more tech savvy. Because <laughs> the technologies get get more and more involved than just email and text, you know. Uh, although I think a lot of the social networking sites do try to pride themselves on their ease of use, and they they really try to make it easy for people to use because they want people to use them. 
By the way, I wanted to make sure that uh, we, I didn't get to put out the number earlier, but we actually have a call-in number. If anybody is out there like to ask, ask uh, Stephanie a question, it's 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. And if you're listening on the replay, uh, you won't be able to call in. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Now, I think that there is actually a caller online, and I don't know if this is somebody who wants to ask us a question. Okay. So let's find out. Let's. Hello, do you have a question for Stephanie? Anybody there on the 212 phone number? Okay. And I'll take that as a no. I'll take that as a no. Sometimes people call in and they just <laughs> want to listen to the show. I see. I have to try to get them back on hold. Okay. It's kind of funny. We're talking about, you know, technical difficulties here. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. And this tech is savvy. Tech savvy. You know, I have a friend of mine who always makes fun of me if I uh, do something if my phone doesn't work or something, you know, because Mr. Tech, Mr. Technical, he always makes fun of me for that. Reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you remember Johnny Carson. Of course. But, um, well, you know, you're you're younger than I am, so you may not recall. Well, thank you Johnny. so much for, for for that. But but I I do I do know Johnny Carson, and well, I, even if I didn't see everything live, I certainly have the internet and can search. And I I also know that. Uh, people have, you know, told me stories about his characters. I forget there was one that was, I think my folks especially liked um, some kind of fortune teller character that Johnny Carson. Um, Koenig. Yes, 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 yes. And in terms of communication, I, I, I actually, um, you know, I had to Google it and just check it out uh, because I hadn't uh, had had the privilege of seeing some of that stuff in real time. And in terms of communication, that, that is really a hilarious uh, routine about predicting and, and having an answer. And uh, maybe as a communication geek, I, I really find, find that uh, really amusing. Yeah, I would say if anybody would like to know what we're talking about, go on uh, YouTube and look up Karnak, C-A-R-N-A-C, or Johnny Carson doing Karnak. But I was actually going to think of there was a character, actually a guy who was a frequent guest of the show who called himself Stan Can. He was a little small guy, and he would come on with all these gadgets and and and, and all kinds of interesting te- technological things, and and they they never worked. Which was the, he would <laughs> always just be so inept, and they would just fall apart, and he would just have such a hard time with it. But it was it was it never ceased to amuse me. And so I, I sometimes when I have moments where where things don't work technologically, I think I'm having a stand can moment and. And it's one of those things that uh, more and more people have no idea what I'm talking about. But again, you can go on YouTube, look up Stan Can. You know, I think that's an actually um, really excellent uh, that you brought that up. It was a very opportune time for you to bring that up because one of the things that I always coach my corporate communications clients is that although the technology is fantastic, things do happen. And at any time that you're ready to have a corporate communications event, that could be anything. It could be a conversation. It could often be a presentation. You always have to be ready to go on without your technology. And I cannot emphasize that enough. You know, PowerPoint sometimes fails. 
And sometimes, again, you think you are able to have Internet access so that you can, you know, access certain things. And sometimes that fails as well. Sometimes it's a temporary fail and you're able to call it up by the end of your meeting. Sometimes not. So I always advise uh, that some old school preparation is, is always in order when you have a really important interaction that you know you're going to have or you have a presentation. You should be ready to go on as if all of your technology will fail. And then if you have the benefit of using that technology when you're presenting or when you're speaking or when you're interacting, that's fine. That's great. But you should be well-versed in what you're going to talk about or, or what you're going to address, present on, et cetera, before you, um, before you approach important um, communication events for your business. And that's interesting. So uh, what might you have had, like, uh, before I got you uh, on the phone, going getting through a little technological problem, I actually had uh, several minutes of, uh, I guess you could call it radio silence, where I said, you know, please stand by, where I had to deal with the trying to make the thing dial out and call you. And okay. anybody listening would have heard the, the actual dialing and the, the ringing and you picking up. Great. <laughs> yes. Very, very smooth. So what, what, do you, what might you have suggested in such a situation? I mean, I think sometimes also, you know, we're all human. And sometimes, look, I, we've all uh, heard of instances, for example, where someone has a hot mic, but they're not, they're not aware that their mic is either was turned on early or perhaps the segment is over and they're not aware that their mic is still live. Uh, and I think the important thing, I mean, we've all heard, you know, I, I hear you kind of chuckling, but we've all heard instances like that. There were actually some things in the news, uh, both in the recent, not so recent past and in the recent past, where people did have a mic on and perhaps said some off-color comments or comments that were controversial when they thought their mic was turned off. Yeah, I was just um, thinking of Reagan. Do you remember the Reagan one? I do not. I, I was thinking uh, more in terms of, uh, there was something uh, with um, Jesse Jackson mm. where um, he had made a comment about, um, I believe it was Jesse Jackson making a comment that he was disappointed in Obama, but he used some very colorful language. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm referring to. I, uh, I don't. He, Not in this one. he thought that his mic was off. And, um, yeah, so he had to address that. And that comes in more, you know, in terms of PR and crisis communications, depending on what was said with the hot mic. Uh, there was also another episode, I think it was someone maybe in the Bush administration um, who called someone a colorful name, trying to think exactly who it was, uh, called someone a colorful name that starts with an A and ends with an E, uh, <laughs> and thought that, their, thought that their mic was off when they made that comment. Oh my. Anyway, I think the important thing is, is that if you're caught saying something that you thought you said in privacy, uh, especially if it contains colorful language, like in those two examples, um, that you should really address that uh, quickly uh, and just really acknowledge it. I think the worst thing to do is to uh, try to deny it. I mean, especially with today's technology, everything is searchable. You can replay tapes over and over again. They become viral on the Internet. Um, if you say something uh, that you wasn't meant for on air, just, you know, really address it uh, and say, wow, um, you know, I 
you know, excuse my language. I mean, there's also something also with um, Sue Simmons, not too, uh, uh, I guess, pretty recently, where uh, she had made a comment to one of her staff there who had put up the wrong image for a story, and uh, she kind of um, used a four-letter uh, F word. Yes, that one and, I heard. And um, we all heard it on air. And again, she addressed it. I believe it was the very next broadcast. She said, you know, um, uh, I use some language that, uh, you know, some people find offensive, and for that I apologize. So I think that's the important thing, that if you had technical difficulties, you, you've acknowledged it. You, you certainly, at least when, when I, by the time we connected on the phone, uh, you didn't say anything inappropriate or use any language. Um, so there's nothing to apologize for, just, to, you know, to acknowledge, look, we've had some technical difficulties. That's all. Very easy. Sure. By the way, the Reagan one, which you may recall now that I say it, but he said, we bomb Russia in five minutes. And that, really? Uh, oh, I, yeah, that wow, was huge. Okay. Hmm. He was just being, you know, being silly, and that went out, and uh, it caused quite an international furor. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, too, um, and it's actually, I guess, in light of the whole recent uh, Tiger Woods uh, scandal that's going mm. on right now, it's important to mention this, um, when, and, but, you know, more in a business context. Um, make sure when you leave a voicemail... <laughs> That um, you know, think think before you leave a voicemail. Now, of course, I'm not condoning um, anything, you know. And again, I'm not too well versed on the details. Um, I'm not in Tiger Woods' personal life. I, I, you know, don't know enough about whatever went on. But just in terms of business, okay, understand that voicemails are taped messages, and um, you're basically acknowledging when you're leaving a voicemail that you understand that you're being taped. So think before you leave a voicemail. Um, sometimes maybe better not to leave the voicemail. Sometimes it's better to speak in real time about business issues that may be sensitive. Uh, once you leave that voicemail, unfortunately, sometimes um, you know um, things things may happen or things may inadvertently get forwarded. Um, and I think when it comes to business, it's important to think about when you are um, allowing yourself to be recorded in in a business context. The same goes for email. Uh, don't email angry <laughs> uh, to someone on your team. Those emails are, you know, you press send and it's out there forever. And that goes also for tweeting. Uh, I always tell people, please do not send written communications when you are in a heightened state of emotion. That means when you are angry, uh, when you are euphoric, uh, when you have had a few drinks at a bar. These are not good times uh, to send uh, written communications. There are also not good times, a lot of times, to, to text, you know, pictures even. Um, whenever you're in a heightened state of emotion or sort of an altered state of emotion, those are not really good times to send any type of business communications. Best to address, you know, issues uh, with text or email or tweets or Facebook status updates or LinkedIn. Uh, when you have a level head. And if you're not sure about something, take a moment, step away before you press send, reread it, and see if you still want to send it. Yeah, I, I have found that uh, when I have, have a lot of emotional charge on something and I want to write uh, an email, one of the first things I do is I, I uh, take out the, uh, the address, or I might put it in the body of the letter, and then put, and save it as a draft, 
and wait. I usually try to wait like 24 hours when it's something like that because I, I have looked at it the next day and said, oh, my God, I am so glad I did not send this thing. Right, and that that should say a lot to people. That I think probably other people have had that experience where they breathe a, a huge sigh of relief that what they wanted to send yesterday or last night or early this morning uh, is something that he didn't send. And, of course, there's also sometimes miscommunications. So you might get heated about something that you think, oh, you, you know, you feel it's very unfair or you feel someone's been, you know, a situation is, is unjust. And then you might find out more information about that situation later in the day that makes it make more sense to you. And you're definitely glad you didn't send that email. So I think it's good to not have a knee-jerk reaction, uh, especially in business communications. And make sure you get all the information or as much information as you can. And again, to really not press that send button any anywhere with any type of uh, written communications. And again, I'll even include recorded communications like, like voicemail, uh, to not do that until you um, really have more of a level head about you, really thought things through. Of course, that goes for verbal and in-person communications too. How many times have we seen people at a meeting, for example, who talk you know, or get upset prematurely and they haven't even heard the other side of what's going on? So I think uh, in business communications in general, uh, better to listen first collect your, your information. But of course, we're human beings. We're not robots. We're emotional creatures. And a lot of times we make mistakes. So again, if you do make a mistake, you know, own it and, and own it quickly. So you say, you know what? I was really premature to, you know, say that to you at the meeting and I apologize. And I think when people are forthcoming about, hey, look, I made a mistake. Let me do right by it. I think people are usually pretty understanding. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree with that. So many so many possibilities for things to to get misconstrued and and it's you know, very important to know that nowadays every thing we do there's a potential for it to come back and haunt you. Uh-huh. Emails, texts. I mean, even texts can be you know as you heard speaking of Tiger Woods. Uh, so supposedly hundreds of texts, and then this woman that he supposedly sent them to has kept them and and sent them. Right, and and of course, you know, uh, there are different um, you know situations when you think about a context of personal relationships um, versus uh, whether they are messy or not. Uh, personal relationships versus um, you know in a business context. Of course, you know every. Set, um, every set of situations has its own context and its own sort of rules of etiquette. So, of course, the um, type of things that you would talk about um, in a business situation, there's you know some different rules that apply than uh, when you're texting in a personal situation. Uh, but again, you know, um, it, it's it's really important to I think in either situation understand to your point that these things, they are forever. I mean, you, even though you can go ahead and delete a tweet after, you know, you've made it, it's still out there. It's just that you've deleted it from your stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people pick up on things, and uh, it's very searchable, and um, these things, especially controversial things, do have their way of, of you know, finding finding their way back to our our radar uh, long after they've happened.
especially if there's new controversy that bubbles up, they might want to now look to the past to see if there was any indicator of that in the past or if you've said something in the past to contradict something you've said in the, in the present. Um, that's a favorite a lot of times um, in media situations that are sensitive where they go back and research and see, did you say something, you know, last year that was in conflict to what you said this year? That, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's very challenging. It can be very challenging to, yeah. uh, and that is, that, that sort of thing has, has come back to haunt uh, people running for office, for example. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was remembering when uh, when uh, John Kerry was running for president, and and he probably forgot about half the things he'd ever said twenty or thirty years ago. But everything came back to say to to, sh- to show him as somebody who couldn't make up his mind about what he what he felt. Right. Right. I remember uh, when the whole Madoff scandal, uh, the Bernie Madoff scandal, was was breaking that all of a sudden uh, they kept running this old interview they had with him where he was talking about business. And, of course, you know, the high level of irony, just watching him talk about business. Um, And they had a body language expert saying that when he was being interviewed, at one point I think he said the word bad or or something, a, a word like bad. I think actually it was the word bad. And he gestured towards himself with his hand as he said bad. Mm. And, of course, the body language experts had a field day with this, that, you know, that on second glance, you know, wow, was this an indicator that he, you know, that he was, you know, uh, you know kind of like playing a trick on everyone and, and knew it and was almost like flaunting, like kind of like catch me, you know, I'm bad. <laughs> Um, so it, it's very interesting the kind of things that that come up, especially after something's in the news where everything is searchable and everything kind of comes up for uh, a re you know or just a review or you know a multiple uh, multiple times to be reviewed. Well, I'll tell you about an interesting uh, an interesting site you may never never have heard of, archive.org. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Very interesting site. They have cataloged some 40 billion web pages, and that was that my number is probably higher by now. That was a couple of years ago, uh, of in various iterations. So you might find a, 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 a if you want to take a look at a what did a web page look like two years ago? You can find old versions of of the web page. Even though the person who created the web page would never have thought they would ever be found again. Yeah, we're all kind of leaving our digital footprints everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. you know, if you know about it, you can go on there, and if there's something embarrassing, you can actually have it removed. But, but it's just out there. I've actually been able to find all kinds of things uh, that I was very surprised to, to find. Right. Well, no. Again, you know, we we are leaving our our digital footprints and fingerprints everywhere. And uh, that's one of the reasons that, you know, look, everything has a downside, right? So everyone in corporate communication circles is all, you know, we're all very excited about uh, the capabilities of all of these technologies and the social media. But with that comes, uh, you know, an acknowledged loss of control to a certain extent and also uh, a loss of, to a certain extent, privacy. And that is sort of the, the balance that everyone's trying to um, address right now. Mm. So, Stephanie, we're actually down to our last uh, minute or so. 
Mm-hmm. So now would be a good time for me, first of all, to say thank you so very much for being on my show. And it's been a thank delight you for to having have me. You. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me. And uh, very quickly, if you'd like to, anything you'd like to uh, let our listeners know where they can find you, anything you'd like to tell us about real quick. I think the best place for listeners to find me would be at Critiques for Geeks on Twitter. And I think you said uh, the address before, but uh, for people who aren't that familiar, it's the at sign. So it's at Critiques for Geeks, and that's with the number four. And I will see you on Twitter. Okay, and anything uh, coming up for you? that you'd like to tell us about? I have many things coming up uh, for 2010, and actually a lot of the dates are being worked out now. You know, sometimes things slow down around the holidays, but uh, I certainly will be posting things uh, and links to Twitter as the dates get uh, a little more solidified. Okay, great. And if you could send that to me, and I'll I'll put it on the show page, because that will be there uh, permanently. Again, thank you very much, uh, Stephanie, for being on my show. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week here on Blog Talk Radio. You can find me at myfuturecoach.com. I'm Coach Andrew. Thank you, and good night.